0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Vaginas. Why are they such a sensitive topic? Recently, Yadim Muslim Women's Council called out feminine hygiene brand Libres, citing that they missed use images of a women's private part on an ad designed for its sanitary products. She said that the advertisement, which has flowers shaped like vulvas, and I quote, clearly undermines the dignity of women and violates the norms of decency in the Malaysian society. But does it really though? Or do we as a society need to be more open about sex and our sexual organs? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanindran. She's the Executive Director of AERO, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. Welcome back to the show, Siva. Good to have you on again.
0: Thanks, Dashan. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: So let's start by setting the scene, Siva. I touched on it briefly in my intro, but perhaps you can elaborate on what exactly happened here. I mean, the not so new Libris ad campaign titled Know Your V has been one of the most talked about things on Malaysian social media over the past couple of days. Why is this so? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think uh, it was because, you know, this group like chose to uh, look at um, uh, or finally came to the attention of this group, uh, the kind of social media as well as the packaging, you know, of uh, Libres uh, and uh, this packaging, social media, advertising, you know, utilizing the V as a stylized motive, right? Uh, in this uh, kind of uh, was uh, a playful pun on, you know, what uh, uh, the sanitary napkins are like kind of meant to do but not only as a functional product right but what menstruation means uh and you know and of course the close linkages uh with uh, those parts of the body you know with the sexuality of uh, women and girls you know so um For many, I think, you know, it was a huge like kind of leap uh, to look at it as something that was humiliating or shaming or demeaning to women. Right. Because these were basically the pictures of flowers. And, uh, you know, if you just passed uh, them by on the uh, how do I say, if you just pass them by on the shelf, uh, you wouldn't go and say like oh my god that looks terrible in fact you thought oh that looks quite pretty you know I mean that's what you would you know right. first go away with the impression of the packaging mm-hmm. uh you know in, in comparison you know if you really wanted to talk about some horrific Horrifying images, uh, you know, if you were to equate them with horrifying images, you have to compare them with, you know, what appears on cigarette cigarette packaging, right? I mean, so if you saw uh, those uh, pictures of, uh, you know, either the stillborn, uh, newborn babies um, on cigarette packages or the size of tumors on people's necks or diabetic amputation of foot and toes, you know, so those are actually horrifying. Images, So I wouldn't say that these images were, you know, horrifying, you know, in that, that kind of uh, scope. So, uh, you know, and also this advertising, you know, uh, of uh, feminine hygiene products has very much been kind of, uh, it's just not the images uh, and the channels that they use, Um, you know, uh, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I remember that, you know, when you were 11 or 12, you know, Kotex would come to your school Mm. and, you know, they would like kind of talk about the menstrual cycle and what it means and how do you kind of like, you know, mark your menstrual cycle or track your menstrual cycle, what was normal, what was not normal. And of course, you know, then there was the soft spiel of like saying, okay, look, Kotex is a sanitary napkin that you can Used during uh, this uh, during menstrual cycle, Uh, and so this was uh, something. So there's always this element of education that has been closely knit with uh, feminine hygiene products simply because most of this information was not known, right, Mm. to uh, girls, especially at school level, you know. So I think that that's uh, the kind of like kind of larger background picture to uh, uh, the story of, uh, you know, Libres and why, you know, put these, you know, beautiful, gorgeous flowers on their (laughs) uh, packaging.
1: Right. And, And beautiful, gorgeous flowers is exactly right apart from that right um you know the, the NGO call, has as we talked about called the advertisement degrading right even if, if we look at the per, from the perspective of just looking at images of of you know the, the vaginas or the vulvas or you know just people learning about their bodies or being exposed to these things, um, is it degrading for, for women and men to to you know discuss these things, to learn about these things openly?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, so the word degrading is a very big word, right? And mm-hmm. I think uh, the Malay word that they used was hina, right? Mm-hmm. So it also has all of these connotations of shame and humiliation, uh, things that are supposed to be kept uh, uh, private, right? Uh, and for me, of course, I mean, and because I work in sexual and reproductive health and rights, of course, clearly it is not not degrading at all. Right. Mm -hmm. But perhaps, you know, uh, maybe because of all of the things that I've learned and acquired, uh, I I, my my stance could be quite privileged. But um, what I feel is that that it's beneficial for everyone to really, you know, understand, you know, their private parts and, you know, be open to looking at them frequently and understanding what is normal and what is not normal. Right. Uh, And it can be life changing. You know, so uh, in in, uh, not only like, for example, right, uh, many women during their menstrual cycle very often um, experience pain, you know, and cramps, Uh, but understanding what are normal pains and what are normal cramps and what are not you know, uh, is something that's very important. Many uh, women, when they say, oh, no, I'm having my cycle and, you know, I can't do anything. And people say, uh, and other women themselves dismiss and say, oh, no, you know, that's just normal. You should just carry on with life. You know, we all do it or something like that. Right. Mm. But actually, you know, these pains and cramps uh, could be early signs of things like endometriosis, which need treatment. Right. Uh, Or even things like, you know, understanding, you know, what is a normal uh, vaginal discharge and an abnormal vaginal. Vaginal discharge, uh, and uh, because an abnormal vaginal discharge, you know, could uh, be about, you know, a result of, you know, either bacterial or yeast infection or some form of uh, sexually transmitted infections, right? And uh, understanding whether, you know, you get pimples or bumps or sores or warts, you know, uh, knowing that about your body is something that's really, really, you know, important. So I feel like uh, it. Uh, it Uh, great uh, if people actually learned more about their bodies, because then, one, they can actually, you know, prevent disease or treat whatever disease or illness they have early so that they can enjoy greater health and greater well-being in the years to come.
1: And the NGOs also said that placing unnecessary attention on the the private body parts, uh, Uh, you know, diverts attention from the scientific explanation that the menstrual process is related to the uterus and so on and so forth. But sexual health is so much more than that, isn't it?
0: No, indeed, uh, Dashrin, and I think that Traditionally, you know, if you look at East Asian art uh, or um, Western art or even our own, uh, you know, uh, Tamil movies, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, flowers have been used to depict sexuality. You know, I mean, one of my um, professors commented that, um, you know, a flower is actually a sexual thing, right, because it has all of these, you know, it's all this glory to kind of attract pollinators. And that's Mm. exactly how the the plant survives um and uh, we can see this in you know traditional culture right in uh, chinese paintings and japanese paintings uh and you know uh the famous scene in the 70s and the 80s right so when the hero and the heroine g- draw close together you will have a cutaway scene and then the flower will suddenly bloom right mm. and that was supposed to depict uh the beginning of uh, romantic and sexual love right, right? This has just been something that has been imbued in our culture, both traditional culture and modern culture. So to utilize flowers to describe these things is not something new. Okay, so that's one aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, of course, while we are talking about, you know, understanding our body, we also need to understand that because so much of this uh, discourse is uh, steeped around, taboos you know and stigma about not being able to know more about your private parts there's a lot of misconception out there on what is an ideal body looks like you know so it's just not the external parts right it's also mm-hmm. the uh, these private parts so there is an idea out there definitely that the ideal uh vagina the ideal vulva is something that 's you know tight it's mm-hmm. white, uh, it 's white it doesn 't have its hairless definitely these days, uh, and um, you know it, it requires uh, some form of a, uh, attention and care in a way that uh, is you know beyond what is really necessary right. right and this drives insecurity amongst women and girls about uh, their private parts and I think that one of the reasons that this really kind of resonated is because Um, with women and girls is because, you know, if you've had a partner, I mean, very often girls are also told by their partners that, you know, oh, you smell funny down there or, you know, yours looks really big in comparison to others. Or why is it so flappy or why is it so dark? So it drives this feeling of insecurity, Right. And that's where that sexual health dimension is just not about disease prevention, you know, uh, and pregnancy prevention, right? Mm -hmm. It is also about well being. And sexual well being is something that is, you know, driven by awareness about your own body, you know, sexual positivity that, you know, things that bring you pleasure are not necessarily bad for you. You don't have to feel guilt about it. Um, And also about uh, sexual self-esteem, right? That um, it is okay for you to, you know, uh, express yourself through so many different ways in your body, right? So, uh, and sexual well-being is about, you know, uh, it's biological, it's psychological, it's social, and it's cultural, right? So when we talk about these aspects, uh, where there's access to information and um, access to Understanding how our body, what our body is, what it looks like, how it works, uh, is a integral part, you know, of this uh, sexual well-being.
1: And you know, you mentioned awareness earlier. What can you tell us about the landscape of Malaysia as far as sexual awareness is concerned?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have talked about this many times, you know, a lot of uh, young people actually have a lot of access to information and misinformation equally. Right. Um, So a lot of these depictions that come to especially young men is through these uh, channels of misinformation about um, through porn. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, About what uh, sex is all about, what pleasure is all about, what an ideal man does during sex, what an ideal woman does during sex. Um, And this kind of uh, Mm -hmm. up, you know, relationships because uh, there's very little uh, education and awareness uh, about uh, going on in that in that form of uh, misinformation. So I feel like the there is uh, awareness, but it's probably the wrong type of awareness. But we do know that, you know, for those who are able to access good information and the right information, you know, the movement on the ground towards like, you know, body po- positivity and sex positivity has really, you know, uh, made people develop into very mature Uh, people on understanding you know uh, um, this diversity the element of diversity of bodies right Uh, and accepting themselves for what it is what they are and uh, accepting also the limitations of what they are and um, so that level of awareness is there but unfortunately this is only for a very small group of people still.
1: This lack of knowledge, though, you know, a lack of knowledge of one's own bodies is not a problem that is um, specifically unique to Malaysia necessarily, right? Which is why a show like um Sex Education, it's a British dramedy, is quite a big hit on Netflix globally. Uh, you know, when we look at that, you know, a study in the US found that approximately 25% of American women can't... Even identify the vagina. I mean, obviously they know that it's down there, but there are so many different parts or in and around the vagina, like you mentioned, um, and the female sexual uh, reproductive uh, anatomies in general. Um, you know, with with each with different differing function, and there's also you know not one particular look of a vagina or a penis for that matter, right? But a lot of people don't know this, and I'm wondering how is it possible whether it's in Malaysia or the US or whichever country what is the common threat um, here is it is it a is it a lack of information is it culture is it religion or is it just you know plain old patriarchy
0: yeah I think you know uh, Dashan uh, we need to also look that you know control of sexuality is a global phenomenon, mm-hmm. right uh, so you uh, Forms of control and necessary patriarchal control are actually exerted upon communities and families through the control of sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the forms of controlling sexuality is to restrict information and restrict awareness. Right. So then people fall into the traditional patterns or like, let's say, for example, girls who have sex feel shamed into getting married uh, with, the, with their partner, even though they think the partner is wrong simply because they've already had sex. Mm. Right. Um, or like, for example, how, you know, uh, girls who are raped are made to like kind of marry, are made to marry their rapists. And this is just not in Malaysia. it's uh, It happens across many other societies and right. cultures, right? Simply because she's deemed to have been spoiled, right? So basically a girl's sexuality or woman's sexuality is controlled and owned by her father until it is kind of passed on in honor or like uh, given away with like some... Uh, how do I say, benefits, uh, you know, like in the things like the bride price and all of that, right, to another man. And then the other man controls her sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, within that form of control, only some forms of uh, sexual expression are kind of socially sanctioned, right? So it's heterosexual sex uh, within marriage. uh, And so that's all the tick the box, tick the box. Oh, that's great. So if you're the type of person who, you know, is able to express your sexuality inside that small little box, then good for you. But there are many who don't want to be married, but want to have a long term relationship without marriage. And these are still like fall outside of the social and the legal boundaries, right? So the rights of those couples are not recognized within society for many in in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So the way that society has controlled sexuality is basically to Put it back inside uh, the household level and to make sure that it's kind of reproductive labor, because when you have a household, you have a family, then you're 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 sort of an economic unit. Right. Right. Uh, That economic unit is about a pattern of buying, selling, you know, uh, building a house, a home and comes with all of these economic activities. So there is a lot of like a linkage between uh, control of sexuality and economic and political systems as well. Right. So very often what we're trying to do is to try to free that individual as far as possible from the uh, from being embedded into this uh, this, this system, the this social system.
1: On the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanindran. She's the Executive Director of Arrow, the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. After the break, I'll be asking her why ads or campaigns such as Libresa's Know Your V campaign are important. We'll be back with more on Today I Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Sivanandi Tanindran. She's the Executive Director of Arrow and we're talking about, you know, the importance of women learning about their own bodies and having open conversations about sex. So Siva, what are the potential physical or mental health consequences of of this, of this control um, by, by patriarchal societies? What are the consequences towards the people that are, in a way, you know, being forced to follow these, um, quote unquote, rules or norms?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, this is part of why, you know, in the in more developed economies, we are seeing a kind of a freeing of these kind of controls, right? Uh, Because um, you can see that, you know, people say, well, you know, um, I have a right to pleasure, you know, and very often, you know, uh, women are not able to say that in the West and, you know, in the developed countries, you can see that more people are actually putting a ground to expression. The second thing is we also need to know in modern society, there's misinformation and insecurity. Insecurity is a big, how do I say, economic driver, you know. Uh, So a lot of these products, you know, whether they are, you know, um vaginal tightening whitening products you know they're driven by insecurity right mm-hmm. and um so whether you're taking herbs you're taking supplements or uh, in order to kind of correct something that is wrong uh, there is a huge market around that but uh to so go so far as you know surgery even you know so um I was, uh, recently reading, you know, that apparently, you know, there's even an ideal size of a woman's nipple and there are people who choose to, who think that their nipples are too big and need to like correct it, you know, and, and this uh, also applies, you know, to their labia, to their vulva, to their clitoris and people, uh, and women seek this, uh, uh measures to kind of correct, uh, the malformation of their genitalia to make it, you know, uh, how do I say, neater and smaller and more acceptable and hence more desirable, you know. So these are like some of those uh, driving forces that we can see. So, uh, but these are choices that are not open to everyone. Dashrin. I mean, like mm-hmm. nobody can, not everyone can say, hey, yeah, maybe I'll, you know, I'm kind of like dissatisfied, you know, the size of my nipples and I'm going to go and, you know, spend, you know, 30,000 ringgit, you know, correcting that. Correct. So in that process, There'll be so many more people who are unhappy about their body when they don't have to be, Mm. right? Because they're just normal, okay? So, uh, and that feeling of insecurity that you are not good enough, you know, because your body is like this, or you're not womanly enough because, you know, some of your parts look like this, or you're not manly enough because your parts look like this, you know what I mean? Uh, It's something that, you know, weighs greatly, you know, on people, right? And it affects very closely, you know, because some of our most intimate relationships are some of those relationships that are most meaningful in our life, right? So if you're having a, a a relationship with someone and all the time you're feeling that there's something inadequate with you, uh, then, of course, there's a mental health issue there, you know. So that's why that part of that sexual well-being is about that self-esteem. And how do you build that self-esteem if you don't first, you know, love your body and accept your body for what it is? That uh, acceptance comes from the knowledge of the diversity of bodies.
1: But is it important to be open about these things? You know, whether it's in a form of a of a, of an advertisement or you know just talking about it openly. What is the importance of being open about sex and sexual health?
0: Yeah, I think uh, of course the more we can talk about it, uh, or the more we can like surface the issue into public discourse, uh, the better it is, right? So just from, uh, I mean, like, and for that maybe we need to like kind of uh, uh, thank Yadim because they inadvertently what they did is they made people think about this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what it looks like is that the majority of the people out there actually think there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's something important that uh, Libres is doing as compared to not something. it's not something that's uh, humiliating to women or it's not something that's degrading to women right so we've got to surface these uh, issues uh, in order to talk to them more importantly I do remember that you know there were some who said like "But, but why don't you talk to your family members about it well because you know younger women uh, and girls are sometimes just not comfortable because the way in which, you know, adults dismiss their questions, right? What do you need to know about this? Go and do something important. I mean, like, these are something that, you know, because adults themselves are kind of, um, uh, how do I say, adults themselves are uncomfortable about talking with such issues, right? Mm -hmm. So somewhere that conversation needs to take place, right? And that place for young people right now seems to be social media. So whether it's through TikTok, where they're expressing themselves and they're talking to their peers and say, and um, and because the kind of like, how do you say the, distance right because social media is not a direct thing it's not like a, going up directly to a person and so you can put it on social media and people can react to it saying well i believe you're right or i agree with you or they can say i can disagree with you but it becomes a way of um, safe expression you know until you get trolled a lot. i mean once you get trolled then it's not safe expression anymore <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so i think it's uh so it's important to like kind of encourage these conversations right. because right. if these conversations don't take place, the topics continue to be mired in stigma and taboo. Hmm.
1: And circling back to the ad by Libres itself, right? You, know, I, it's, I, I, it's like our campaigns like this, like the Know Your V campaign, are they important, particularly in a in a country like Malaysia, where there is a lot of taboo and and stigma around the topic, I'm wondering what role ads and campaigns like this play.
0: No, I think uh, it's a. Uh exceptionally important, you know, because, as we said, no one else is having this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, We do know that uh, this, uh, um, you know, uh, religious teachers are not having this conversation or parents are not having this conversation. It's not happening amongst, like, you know, uh, how do I say, uh, trusted adults and younger, uh, so-and-so. I mean, like, you know, to say that all of these people are the people you need to be having this conversation with is uh, actually not there at all. So I feel like the fact that some... Uh, company and of course i mean it is in their corporate interest to drive the conversation it's not like some uh, ch- uh kind of a social welfare service that they're doing <laughs> right uh but uh you know but going one step further and saying that yeah every uh every buyer of libres they feel needs to be empowered with the knowledge about understanding about their body right so uh and um, that's actually goes for all of society. And I think that's something that, um, you know, uh, a customer of Libres will also think, Hey, they're right. You know, I should just not only, um, you know, use their products in a very transactional way. Right. But, uh, I'm glad that somebody is taking an interest in, uh, in this area right which no one else is i mean i guess in like a marketing and all it's called that white space right mm-hmm. that white space that you can go to because no one is there having this conversation and you build it's a form of building a relationship with your customers uh in order to say like look uh, you know if you're a confident uh young woman or you're a confident woman you understand your body your body positive your sex positive uh then you know you're a happy customer you know so i think that um Uh, That was the aim, actually. This uh, banning and censorship, you know, the whole issue around it is usually there is no limit, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, um, while they said uh, they spoke on behalf of uh, all women and said it is degrading to women, but many women said, well, I don't find it degrading. So who are you talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So basically because a few people were offended by what they saw uh, and maybe they looked too much into it and they said well we should not have this But if we were going to say that uh, every time we had to remove an image because it was deemed offensive, then there'll be so many things. I mean, like, you know, what about our national flower? You know, uh, can somebody go and like read too much into the stylization of our national flower and say, oh, my God, look at that stigma and that stamen. It looked very depraved hanging out there like that. It reminds (laughs) me of something else. Right. Right. So I'm offended by this. So once you start censoring, you're going to censor a heck of a lot of things that don't need to be censored. And because it was done in such a stylistic way and not in, let's say, putting out things like porn out there or deemed porn, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, It becomes like a kind of a step back because then a lot of companies are going to think like, well, you know, how am I going to market this product or how can I, you know, uh, how can I, what products are we going to develop, you know, what is going to be hampered by, you know, these bans or these uh, these um, uh, censorship, right? So I think that um, this is something that we need to tread very carefully. Uh, it will have an impact on uh, not only industry, it also will have an impact on, you know, who sets up business, what type of uh, industry is moral and what type of Industries are immoral, as you know. This has been a long-standing like debate uh, in Malaysian society, you know. Uh, and then it goes on uh, to um, also, you know, there is a spillover effect of like who are good investors and who are not good investors. And um, we can't actually, you know, I'm I'm not sure that uh, without you know proper uh, guidelines uh, of where you know the limits of uh, censorship. Uh, banning materials, banning products, banning images, is actually going to lead us as a country.
1: Siva, you've been discussing these issues, um, researching these issues, working with communities and all of that for for many, many years. Um, Based on your observations, has Malaysia changed much since you first started? And if so, for better or worse?
0: Yeah well you know i mean i often share about uh you know uh our my own experience of comprehensive sexuality education right mm-hmm. is the fact that uh, you know my mother was able to borrow a book from a library a public library nonetheless uh to and bring it home to me where i came uh, where did i come from right we'd had all these graphic de- depictions i mean drawn as cartoons of course mm-hmm. uh of uh, the act of reproduction Right. Uh, but uh, and, and then, of course, subsequently in the late 80s or so, I found out that this uh, book was banned. Right. So I think that there has been a slow like erosion. And I think this limitation is because, um, you know, it is like we are a society grappling, you know, uh, with the effects of globalization And instead of investing in increasing education, increasing awareness, uh, increasing uh, the space for autonomy and control of uh, individuals over their own decisions, what we, the path we have chosen is to make policies, make laws, build institutions to reduce autonomy and agency and go into like state control over these matters, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, really a futile type of uh, exercise, you know. So for me, I feel like the best thing that we can do is to increase education, increase awareness, uh, let our young people know as much as they can. Because when they go out, right, uh, when they go out to university, when they go out to the workplace, the demands of the workplace or that university around these issues is going to be uh, needing... Right. Mm-hmm. An extremely uh, emotionally intelligent, competent uh, person with uh, self-esteem to handle these issues. Right. So I think that, uh, that that's where we should like focus our efforts on rather than like going into this whole thing about uh, morality, banning and, you know, uh, censorship.
1: Certainly. And as we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message for us?
0: People have been talking about uh, sex from time immemorial, right. uh, and we are going to continue talking about sex for, you know, centuries to come. So uh, the conversation will still be happening, whether it happens through sanitary pad- packaging, whether it's going to happen through, you know, humorous plays, you know, in the 16th centuries, or like, you know, naughty poems in the 17th and 18th century, or through songs, it is always going to be happening. And I think we should just embrace that.
1: On that note, Siva, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Dashran.
1: That was Sivanandi Tanindran, the Executive Director of AERO, which is the Asian Pacific Resource and Research Centre for Women. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9.